Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the fourth part in our series going through the book of Colossians. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I'm going to share a passage of scripture this morning, and it's only three verses, and it seems kind of short, but it's so rich that uh, as I was preparing the message this week, I realized I just didn't have enough time to get through it all. So uh, have you guys ever seen the last two Avengers movies? You know how they're split into two parts? That's kind of like this sermon. It's going to be split into two parts, uh, part one, part two. So in advance, be back next week if you want to know how this ends. Uh, but Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 uh, is where I want to start this morning. So Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I want to call this message and we'll see if the message title sticks this week and next week, but I just want to call this Views from Above. Views from Above. You guys can be seated. Let's just clap our hands one more time. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Um, This this summer, uh, I had dreams, but the Lord had other plans. You guys ever experienced that? Like, I had dreams, but the Lord had other plans. My dream this summer, we moved into a new house And this was the first year in this new house. And so my dream this summer was that we would have a green lawn. Come on, somebody. That was my dream. Like, I wanted, like, a plush lawn that the kids could play on, something that, like, I would look out and it just looks green and bold and beautiful. That was my hope. But as I said, the Lord had other plans. Now, some of us are aware of this, and some of us are keenly aware of this, especially if you don't have air conditioning. Uh, This has been like literally the hottest summer ever. If you guys didn't know this, uh, we recently broke the record for most days above 30 in one summer. Those of you guys that don't have AC, you're like, I know. I know about that record. And so, like, that, that it's been good for some. Again, the heat, people love the heat. Bad for others. It hasn't been so great for my lawn. And so you guys know like the the really big heat wave, like the plus like almost 40 heat wave, like in two days, because like the summer started out great, my lawn was green, but in literally three days, two, three days, my my lawn just died. And like I was watering it, I was trying to keep up, but like water is expensive and so I'm only going to water so much, come on somebody. And, And so really my dream of having a green lawn died. And so the rest of the summer, pretty much from that heat wave has kind of been damage control. Like, I'm just trying to get it, like, presentable. I'm hoping my backyard doesn't die completely. Uh, but it's funny because depending where I am in the backyard, it'll actually change what my backyard looks like. Like, especially after I mow my lawn, it's really weird. I'll mow it, and I'll be like, you know what? My lawn doesn't look half bad. I was like, I th- I, maybe I resurrected it. Like, I, th- I think, because I think it, it looks kind of green after you mow it. And then what will happen, though, is, like, I'll go upstairs. Come on, somebody. And I look out my window, and when I look out my window, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my lawn is 70% brown. And so I realized something really important. The altitude from which I'm looking will always change whatever I'm looking at. I came to preach this morning. You guys ready? We're in a series right now uh, going through the book of Colossians, as I said. And one thing that I've been doing is I've been telling us time and time again that Paul kind of has one central message in this book. 
If you guys have missed it, listen, go online, check it out, the whole thing's there. But what we found out is the church in Colossae, hence the name Colossians, had kind of lost their way. And so what Paul is trying to do is Paul is trying to get them back on track. And really what he's trying to get them to do, he's trying to get them to put Jesus in the position that he needs to be in. What Paul is trying to do is he's trying to get Jesus to be at the center. Because for Paul, what he realizes is that their outlook was changing depending on where they were looking. What they realized, and you guys need to understand this, down below, things look different down below than they do from up above. And so Paul, and we're going to see this over the next two weeks, Paul is going to try to get them to not so much look at things on a plane level from eye to eye. He's trying to encourage them to look at things from above. And really what Paul is doing is the same thing that he's been doing this whole entire series. He's trying to get the church to bring Jesus back into the center. And so this church that has lost its way, Paul has the same conclusion every single week for how they get back on track. It's pretty simple. It's more Jesus. If you've lost your way, more Jesus. If you've fallen off track, more Jesus. If you're struggling, more Jesus. And some of us are like, well, how have we been in this book for four weeks if Paul is saying the exact same thing every single week? Well, the truth is this. The process, I need us to understand this, of putting Jesus into the center of our lives, although it sounds kind of easy, it's easier said than done. And the truth is the process of putting Jesus at the center is not a one-time thing. It's a continual decision. We're going to see that today. And what we need to realize is the process of putting Jesus in the center is going to look different at different seasons of our lives. Because the truth is at different times, different seasons in our lives, there will be different things competing for our attention. And so our hope from Paul is that these different facets, these different avenues of how we put Jesus in the center will be useful to us depending on the season that we're in. And so... Today, the the strategy that we're going to look at for Paul, and really next week as well, for how we put Jesus in the center, is this idea of changing your perspective. Because how you look at something, and the view, and the altitude will change everything. So, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I'm really not leaving this verse today. I'm going to be here all morning. Uh, He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, truth be told, I'm actually going to look like the first eight words for the majority of this morning. Paul says, since then, other translations you can do since or if, if then, since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's what I want to look at. Since you have been raised with Christ. Now, if you don't know the story of Jesus, I'll break it down to you really simple. Jesus was and is the Son of God. And Jesus came down to earth in the flesh as a human. He lived a sinless life, yet he died a sinner's death. And the reason that he died a sinner's death was so that he could take the punishment that you and I deserved. But the story of Jesus, come on somebody, is that although he was killed, although he was crucified, he did not stay dead. And he was on, on Friday, he was put in the tomb, but on Sunday, he resurrected. And so the tomb is empty. And so the crux of Christianity is this idea that Jesus has raised from the dead. Our hope is built in the resurrection. Paul even says that if Christ has not raised from the dead, our faith is useless. So everything that we have 
as Christians, as believers, focuses on this idea that Jesus has actually raised from the dead. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, even a little, you probably understand this, that Jesus has raised. But Paul is bringing another avenue that a lot of us miss. We know that Jesus was raised, but Paul says, you have also been raised with Christ. Jesus was raised, you have also been raised. Now, the reason I'm going to spend a lot of time in this is because there's so much there. This is so rich. Now, when Paul says that you have been raised, we have been raised, there's like kind of a literal thing, there's a symbolic thing, there's a spiritual thing. Here's the symbolism in it. Paul is alluding in symbolism to the idea of baptism. Now, what baptism is, if you don't know, water baptism is this idea that when you want to follow Jesus, you've made the decision to make him Lord and Savior of your life, you are to get baptized. It's a symbol. What I always tell people, I say baptism is kind of like a wedding. When you get married, you don't fall in love. Good luck. The wedding is the symbol of your love. And so what you're doing when you get married, you are publicly displaying that you've made the choice to be with that person. I said baptism is kind of like the same thing. It's that symbol of saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus. But the symbol's multifaceted. It's not just that symbol of commitment. There's also a symbol that when you go down into the water, into the watery grave, come on, somebody, as you come up, the old version of you is gone, and we are raised to life in Christ. That's what baptism is. And so that is what Paul is alluding to. And so I want to do something really quickly. It's kind of an end of the sermon thing, but I decided why not do it at the start. If you've never been baptized before, I want to encourage you to be baptized. Now, some of us are saying, well, like, I love Jesus. Like, why do I really need to get baptized? Well, number one, Jesus tells us to. And he also says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He says, be baptized. Follow me. And I know some of us are saying, well, 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 pastor, like, listen, I was baptized when I was younger. I was baptized when I was a baby. And that was amazing. It was so good. You want to know who it was good for, though? Your parents. Their friends. The crux of baptism, the idea of what it is, it is a personal decision to follow Jesus. I love what happened when you were a baby, but you didn't make that decision. You didn't do anything. You just were born. Like, you made it out of the birth canal. Congratulations. <laughs> but the essence of Christian baptism is this idea of a personal decision to follow Jesus. And so if you have never made that personal decision to follow Jesus, that public proclamation in the form of baptism, I want to encourage you to be baptized. Some of you are saying, can I get baptized twice, though? Like, can it Listen, baptism was not a Christian thing. The Christians reformed it. It was a Jewish thing. And they did it as a symbol of purification. But Jesus came along and he's like, yo, that, that was cool how you guys did it. John even says it like this, yo, I baptize with water, but someone's coming that baptizes with fire. That's Jesus, Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, maybe you got baptized in another form for a different symbol, but let's now, if you've never made the decision, I want to encourage you, let's do it for Jesus. It's so easy. We'll fill the tank next week if you want. But that's the one symbol. Everyone following along? So if you want to get baptized, come talk to us after because it's the best decision you'll ever make. But that's, that's the symbol that Paul's alluding to. You've been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. 
But, but, but there's another facet that Paul's talking about as well, and this is kind of what I really want to dig into. Because the essence of what Paul is saying, he's saying that when you make the decision to follow Jesus, he's saying it emphatically, he's saying it declaratively, that you have been raised with Christ. Why is this important? What Paul is saying is that when you make the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to write this down, something has happened. Something has happened. Whenever you make the decision to follow Jesus, be it for the first time or be it every single day when we rededicate our lives to Jesus, every single time we make a commitment, something has happened. And I'll tell you why this is really important. Because for a lot of us, one of the reasons that we fall off the track is because we get so used to things. And what I mean by that is like, yeah, church feels really great. I feel the Holy Spirit there. I feel him moving, all that good stuff. But I leave this place like I don't really feel any different. I kind of feel the same. I go to work on Monday. I feel the same. Anyone ever been there? Maybe you had the moment where it's like I actually literally got baptized. And like it was amazing. Like the spirit was moving. But then like I went back to my life. And like I don't, I don't always feel it. You see, what happens with us, you need to understand this, every single time you experience Jesus, especially for the first time, maybe you're experiencing the Holy Spirit for the first time, the infilling of the Spirit, the, the gifts that come with it, whatever it is. What can happen over time is that we can get so used to things that we begin to take it for granted. And it kind of just becomes normal. And so then we begin to think to ourselves, man, is anything really happening? I don't feel any different. Maybe for some of us, we've been following Jesus for 20, 30 years, and it can kind of feel mundane. What Paul wants to let us know is that every single time you make a decision for Jesus, something has happened. Something is happening. I talked a few weeks ago about spiritual disciplines. I'm going to talk about them more because I know a lot of you guys didn't start. You wanted to start, but then something happened. I'm going to talk about them again. One of the reasons that we struggle with spiritual disciplines, even the discipline of coming to church, the discipline of praying, of reading our Bible, is because we have this idea, like, man, I'm praying, I'm reading, but I don't feel any different. Pastor, open my Bible, but I don't feel anything. I just have this belief that the enemy of spiritual progress is when we try to gauge our life based on feelings. Paul is saying, forget feeling something has happened. Something is happening. I'll tell you something. Church, the gathering of believers in the body, there's a reason that the church has been doing it for 2,000 years. Because when we gather together, something happens. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, something happens. And so it doesn't really matter if I feel it. I know it because that's what the truth is. And so I base my life on what the truth is, not what I feel. Because as we've said over and over again, feelings are fleeting. It's the same thing when we read our Bible. I promise you this. When you open your Bible and you say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Be with me. Something is happening. Doesn't matter what you feel. Something is happening. And one thing we learned last week that keeps us from putting Jesus at the center is that we have an enemy. The devil, that crafty man. But listen to this. 
If prayer and Bible study, coming to church, if all of these things have a way to break strongholds in our life, have a way to take us from where we were to where God wants us to be, don't you think the very weapons that we have that God gives us, the enemy would try to keep us from? If there's power in the word of God, don't you think the enemy doesn't want you to read it? And the best tool that he uses is our emotions. Just don't feel like it today. Just don't feel, I just don't, I just don't feel it. Listen, something is happening. Something's happening. I shared this story a few weeks uh, with, with a few people, uh, but I have journals that I keep, prayer journals. And I was reading one uh, like January 2014, a long time ago, almost seven, eight years ago. And I was just reading my words, and uh, it wasn't something like, hey, Jesus, uh, I really enjoyed my devotion today. It felt really good. Really enjoyed it. It was a good time. The next entry, uh, like 20 days later, I said, hey, God, probably wondering where I've been. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he knew where I was. But you see, two things. Number one, when you pray, in case you didn't know this, you don't got to go King James. Like our Father, what art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, every heavenly blessing bestowed onto me today. You don't have to pray. If you don't talk like that, if you don't, if you don't got a British accent, you definitely don't. <laughs> Like when we pray, we can actually just be who we are. You can actually just talk to Jesus. But the reason I want to tell you is this. When I, when I was starting my, my walk with God, my biggest enemy was feelings. Jesus, it felt so good today. I really enjoyed it today. Didn't show up again. I mean, maybe I showed up the next day, just didn't journal. But it probably didn't feel as good. And so I gave up. But what Paul wants you to know and what I want to let you guys to know today is that every single time we step into the places, be it church, be it in our small groups, be it Bible study, even meeting with one-on-one with a believer, something is happening. And so what happens is the devil wants to keep us from experiencing that. What I want to do today is I want to give you something better than feelings. I want to offer you a perspective. And that's a heavenly perspective. To believe, number one, that the word of God is true. That when he says something has happened, something has actually happened. But I want to give you some things, not in the spiritual. I'll give you some things in the natural that I think can help you document, document what you're doing. And they can actually help you see progress. One of the best things that you can do is you can surround yourself with godly people. You need to have someone that actually knows your name. Someone that you are open with. Someone that you are honest with. Someone that knows who you are, knows your spiritual track, knows your spiritual journey, and is able to give you perspective. Because here's the thing, and again, you can look at Colossians, we can get into the language. You, he says, um, either if you've been raised with Christ or therefore you have been raised. For a lot of us, listen, you actually haven't been raised with Christ. Not yet, at least. You've been in church for a long time, but you've actually never received Jesus. And that's okay, because you're in the right place. But what you need at times, is someone that knows you. That says, hey, I don't actually think you've really made a decision. Like, I know you show up, but like, have you actually made a decision? Some of us need that. And that can offer us a new perspective. And in the same way, for those of us striving after God, I don't know if any of you guys ever deal with this, but I often feel like, man, I'm not where I want to be. But sometimes I just need someone that can speak into my life and say, hey, guess what? You may not be where you want to be, but praise be to Jesus, you're not where you used to be. I remember what you were like three weeks ago, bro. Like God's, God is doing 
something. I'm so thankful for my wife. She can offer me perspective. I need people in my life that can, that can see what I can't see. Like, sometimes I'll, I'll be with Chris, and I'll just be like, hey, like, that conversation I just had, like, how did I sound? Like, how did I come across? She's like, you were passionate. They probably thought you were angry, but it was, it was, it was passion. We need perspective. And so many of us, and this isn't a COVID thing, so many of us live our lives by ourselves. You have people, but you don't have anyone that knows you. We need it because we need a fresh perspective. The second thing you can do, this is your own thing. I want to encourage you to journal. Say, Harrison, only 12-year-old girls journal. I journal. Listen, the beauty of a journal is, number one, no one remembers what they prayed in 2014. I love you if you do. You don't remember your specific prayer. But when you write it down, you do. And in times when you feel really low, you can actually see, oh, my gosh, I'm not where I was. I'll tell you this. That journal, that old journal I had, and the reason I was looking through it is because I just finished a new journal. And in my new journal, I finished it in, like, quadruple the time of my old journal. You know what that tells me? I'm praying more. It's a symbol of progress. So I want to encourage you. You don't have to pray if you don't want. Maybe you, can, you have your own way of praying in a closet, whatever it is. But I encourage you to document your life. Just write things down, things that you are experiencing, what happened today, because it can be a monument to your life. Listen, I'll tell you this. One of the things, like in, those watching online, if you guys want to catch up later, we have a YouTube channel. We have a SoundCloud channel. I'm thankful for it, other than the fact that it gets the message out. But it also offers me perspective. Because a lot of times, like, I'll look at a message recently, and I'll watch it for a little bit, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am terrible. Why am I saying that? This is the worst. But then sometimes what I'll do is I'll go back to, like, 2018, and I'll start watching, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, praise be to Jesus. <laughs> like, I'm so much better than I was then. Listen, I know some of you guys have weird YouTube channels. You guys can watch your own YouTube channels. Hey, this is me just vlogging, like, <laughs> whatever it is. It's, just, it's, it's actually a symbol of progress. And so I want to encourage you to document things. Because you can see how far Jesus has taken you. And then it can actually bring some life to this idea that something has happened. Something is happening. Colossians 3, I'm not done with it yet. Verse 1, I told you it's so rich. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. So there's that aspect of knowing something. But the interesting thing is this, this idea of being raised. We talked about baptism, this idea of, of, of coming to life, of coming out of the watery grave. What's funny is that like, when we think about this idea of new life that Jesus offers us, this idea of cleansing, he wants to cleanse us. Right? Some of you guys have been in church for a while, like cleansed by the blood. Like it, sound, like it sounds nice, right, to be cleansed to come from new life. But one thing I've realized about cleansing and the process of cleaning, I want you to write this down. Oftentimes, the process of cleaning is more revealing than it is reassuring. Let me say it again. Oftentimes, the process of cleaning is more revealing than it is reassuring. Let me explain it. This last week, for the first time in a long time, um, I washed my car. Now, we moved to St. Albert, COVID, all of those things. I just don't drive as much as I used to. I love St. Albert. You can get everywhere, like a minute. And so, like, my car was dirty, but, like, it wasn't that dirty. You guys know what I'm talking about? 
like it's bad, but like I couldn't manage. And so literally I didn't wash my car for like seven months. I don't know. Like it's, it's been a long time. Don't judge me, y'all. Uh, this week I decided to wash my car for the first time. And so I went and like I got a beautiful Mazda 3, titanium. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to treat this girl right. And so I did the hand wash. Not like the, not the automatic, I went to the hand wash. And so like I, I washed it, I got the brush, scrubbed it. For the first time ever, I didn't know this was an option, I gave it conditioner. <laughs> so I gave it the shampoo and the conditioner. <laughs> washed it, drove home, I hooked up my vacuum, I vacuumed the whole thing out. And like I'm feeling good. And in my garage, the lighting's dim. I'm like, oh my gosh, my car's six years old which is crazy now. I remember when I got it. And I was like, wow, you're just as beautiful as the day I got you. <laughs> so we put the car, I put the car afterwards, afterwards and I put it on the driveway. And in the driveway, the sun's out, right? <laughs> and it starts to dry. And, and it's funny, like my car, like it's fresh, like it's, it's washed. But what I began to see that I couldn't see before because there was a layer of dirt around my car is I began to see little scratches. And I, be, I began to see some dents. I began to see some bumps. And I began to see some bruises. But you need to understand something. It wasn't until I got rid of that outer layer of dirt that I could actually see the true condition of my car. I want you to write something down. There's always something beneath the dirt. There's always something beneath the dirt. You see, l- let me tell you how this is so spiritual. A lot of us think that when we follow Jesus... Every part of our lives in a moment is transformed. Like I make the decision to follow Jesus and suddenly everything, just everything changes. I'll tell you there's only one thing that is guaranteed to change when you follow Jesus. And that is your status. You went from death to life. That's a guarantee. You went from sinner to saint. It's instantaneous. Now I need you to understand because some of us are like, yo, I follow Jesus and I stop smoking in a moment. I get that. It's amazing. It's miraculous. But that's not everyone's story. The truth is there's only one thing that is guaranteed to change when you follow Jesus, and that is your status. Death to life, sinner to saint. You're saved. But the truth is that 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 label, that is the thing that we need to get rid of the most. That is the outer layer of dirt. That is the thing that when we choose to follow Jesus, when we come out of the watery grave, Jesus gets rid of all of that. And so you come out, and Paul says, in Christ, you are a new creation. But guess what? When you come out and the outer layer of dirt has been removed, what you're going to see is that each and every one of us have a couple of dings. We got some scars. We, We got some bruises. Some of us have some hurts. Some of us have some pains. Some of us have some abuse. And I think the reason so many of us struggle to believe that something is happening is because we choose to follow Jesus, but yet we still have the same struggle that we had before we followed Jesus. It's like, where did that come from? The truth is, you're clean, but a part of the process of cleaning is that God wants to reveal the other things inside of you, that he wants to address at an even deeper level. Because the truth is this, when you make the decision to follow Jesus, that's the car wash. The rest of your life, Jesus starts the detail process. You guys ever had your car detailed before? That's that's when Jesus really gets in there and he starts to work on some things. And he says, I know you followed me, but did you realize this anger issue that you've had for 12 years? 
And so he, he begins to, to scrub away. And, and like, I can use the car analogy, but the biblical term is the process of sanctification. It's a really big term, to be sanctified. It, it literally means God is making us holy. But it's a process because there's always something beneath the dirt. And so I want to say this to encourage someone who feels discouraged. It's going to sound counterintuitive, but the closer that you get to Jesus, the more you will see the real you. And so what that means is the, more you, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you'll begin to see the pains, the hurts, the broken parts, the scars, the bruises. But the reason we're encouraged is because when those things are revealed, the only reason that Jesus is revealing it is because he wants to heal us at a deeper level. He's not satisfied with the surface. Too often times we stay on the surface. The surface is what I see. It's what other people see. Oh my gosh, that person is saved, sanctified. Look at them worship. Jesus wants to do so much more than that. He wants to address the deep things inside of us. And so the truth is this. God is actually a mirror. And what I mean by that is that the more I look into Jesus and the more I see his perfectness, the more I see his holiness, the more I see his goodness, the closer I get to him, he's a mirror because it reveals the unholiness in me. And so you need to understand this. The closer you come to Jesus, there's one overwhelming feeling that you should feel every single time, and it's to feel humbled. If you're following Jesus, pride should not be your emotion. You should be humbled. Why? Because the closer I get to Jesus, the more I see my brokenness, and I realize that even while I was in sin, Jesus died for me. And, and so for a lot of us, can I tell you something? One of the reasons that we don't get into this sanctification progress, pro, this, this sanctification process, is because we don't want to deal with the pain. But a part of following Jesus is dealing with the pain. The pain of brokenness, the pain of abuse, the pain of deep-seated hurt. Jesus does not want to heal us at a surface level. He wants to actually cleanse us. And for a lot of us, we've been so busy trying to avoid pain that we've actually been avoiding the cleansing that Jesus wants for us in our hearts. And so the beauty of my brokenness is that it's actually taken me somewhere. And we can begin to distinguish the pain. It's going to change everything. Have you guys ever been sore from working out before? It's a good sore. Like it kind of hurts, right? But it's actually good because it means there's progress. Like there's bad sore. Like I was bad sore last week. I played tennis for the first time in like two years. And I was like, this is not a good, it's not a progress kind of sore. This is like a, I've fallen backwards kind of sore. I haven't exercised in a year kind of sore. But listen, the pain that we feel is actually a good pain. And so I want you to understand something, because for a lot of us, we cannot confuse God and the devil. Because what God does is God convicts. And conviction is this idea, hey, I have something more for you, because I love you. Condemnation is from the devil. And condemnation says, you are so broken. Just hide that. God won't accept that. People won't accept that. There's a good sore and there's a bad sore. Jesus wants us to embrace the good sore. And the pain is oftentimes proof that something's happening. And so I want to encourage us in this process of cleaning, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, let's embrace the process of cleaning. 
The closer you get to him, the more the true you will be revealed. The more that God will deal with you at a deeper level. I'll tell you guys this. We planted our church uh, three years ago in September. You guys ready to party next month? It's going to be amazing. Uh, and like one, one prayer that I prayed when we started the church, and um, it's, it's a good prayer, and I know a lot of you guys have prayed it before, but it's just like, hey, God, like, um, just know my heart. Like, God, like, if, if there's bad reasons I'm doing this, just like, just reveal it to me, right? You guys ever prayed that? Like, God, what I'm doing, I just want to make sure it's pure. And so I prayed that prayer, and I felt like it was pure because the, the vision that God had for me, uh, for us as a church, was a place where people could come and experience Jesus, a place for those who had kicked away church, they're done with church, could come back to church. Like that was the dream. That was the vision, a place where people could find hope and healing. And so I'm praying, God, let's make sure I want that to be pure. But here's the thing. Can I tell you guys something? It's a good prayer. Pray it. Let God reveal stuff. But at the end of the day, you're not Jesus. And so what that means is you will never do something with 100% pure motives. You just won't. But what happens over time is that God will reveal stuff to you. In the last little while, one thing that God has revealed to me is that in that season of my life, I was very, very arrogant. Let me tell you something. I had a dream to plant a church, didn't know what I was doing, and I, I quit my job when I was 24. To be 24 years old and think you can start a church, you need to be a little bit arrogant. You are a little bit arrogant. Not a good arrogant. I kind of like, I think I know better than everyone arrogant. But what's happened in the moment, maybe I wasn't ready for it, but three years later, as I get closer to Jesus, he begins to reveal things to me. He's like, that's actually something you need to repent of. And it's the detail process. And I'll tell you this, as you're following Jesus, there's going to be things in your life that will be exposed, that Jesus wants to rid you of. I'll tell you this, any single one of us that has ever worked a job and someone is above you, and you yourself have never been a boss, you have never been a CEO, and you think you know more than them. You might, but I'll tell you this in the name of Jesus, there's some arrogance there. Because until you get there, you don't know. And so Jesus, what he wants to do is he wants to take us on a process. God wants to refine us. He wants to change our perspective on how we see pain. So he says, again, I'm going to read a little bit more. I've been, I told you, that, you guys right? those eight words have so much. He says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Now, I'm, I'm going to really break this down next week, but I'll give you guys a little preview of the remix. Kim, we can come up here. Christ has done the heavy lifting. You need to understand that. Christ has done the heavy lifting. What, the, the salvation, that's the hard part. But the truth is this. When we follow Jesus, we have a part to play as well. He says, since you have been raised with Christ, therefore set your heart on things above. What one commentator I read, I loved what he said. He said, um, in the same way as you've been raised with Christ, and he gave like a whole bunch of stuff that you should do because you've been raised with Christ. But what he said, he said, one of the things that you should do if you've been raised with Christ, what did Jesus do when he was raised? Well, he left the grave. He left dead things. And so in the same breath, if we have been raised with Christ, you know what we have to do? We need to leave dead things. We need to leave dead places. Last week, we talked about chasing shadows. And we said a shadow is something that offers what only Christ can give us, yet we still chase it. It's a dead thing and it's a dead place. And so a part of, I want us to understand this, a part of the process of being raised with Christ will be setting our heart on things above. The Greek for this word is literally to devote yourself, 
to go on a quest, to go on a mission. He's saying, go on a mission to set your heart on things above. Leave behind the dead things. Leave behind the dead places. Because why? I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. And so I want to encourage us this. And again, like this is just part one. I feel like I'm ending like halfway through from where I want to actually end. But as you guys can see, we don't got time for anything more. So come back next week. Finish it. But I want to encourage you guys this. In the process of being raised with Christ, in the process of setting our minds on heavenly things, what are some of the things that we need to leave behind? Because where Jesus wants you to go, I'll let you know, not everything from your past can come there. It just can't. For, for some of us, that relationship from the past, it can't come to where Jesus wants you to go. That constant need for approval, it can't come where Jesus wants you to go. The way that you viewed things before, the perspective we have on pain, uh, it, can't, it can't go where Jesus wants us to go. And I want you to understand something. I'll finish with this. When you leave dead things, you're going to stand out. You're going to be different because we live in a time, we live in a place where people are chasing dead things. We live in a world full of division. But I want to encourage us as a church, what if we could be united? As the world becomes more divided, what if we could become more united? What if we could begin to set our mind on things above? What if we could begin to say, I'm not going back to dead things. I'm not going back to dead places. I'm going to live for Jesus. And I'll tell you this. There's a thing that is guaranteed when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and it is the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness. Above these things, there is no law. So listen, when the Spirit comes into your life, when we set our hearts on Jesus, those are a guarantee. So how many of us want to live with more love, with more joy, with more peace, with more unity? Come on, somebody. And so we're going to begin to set our hearts on Him. Can we just stand for a second, church? I'll leave us with this verse. It's kind of like a to be continued, all right? Colossians 3, verse 1, continuing, second half of verse 1. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So I want you to understand something. Jesus is real. He's a reality. That's what Paul's trying to get us to understand. And if the reality of Christ is true, if Jesus is who he says he is, if everything that he says is true, if he can actually change my status, if he can actually turn my life around, everything changes. Everything changes. And so right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're just going to wrap this thing up. But maybe someone today, you want to make the choice, you want to make the decision to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to experience all that he has for me. I want to go through that process of sanctification. Sounds hard. I can't even say the word, but like I want to, I want to get healed at a deeper level. I don't want to stay at the surface. If that's you this morning, you want, you want to just follow Jesus. You want to give him your heart. Maybe you want to just make a recommitment. I just want to encourage you. If you could just raise your hand, I just want to pray for you this morning. Jesus, you see every single hand. You see every single heart, God. I pray for those of us today that need to experience your spirit, God, that you would give us an infilling. I pray, God, that you fill us with the fruit to the spirit. I pray specifically for peace, Jesus. 
that there are people here that need peace. Their hearts are in turmoil, God. So I pray for a peace that passes understanding. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace, God. And I just thank you for this church and this opportunity to meet together, to worship together. And thank you, God, that your spirit is here. We love you, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen, amen, amen. Can we clap our hands? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.